It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, folks, and welcome back to this episode of the CPG Guys podcast. I'm Sri, of course. One of your aforementioned CPG guys and my co-host is PVSP, also the VP of Partner Strategy and Dev at Fetch Rewards, a mobile loyalty platform. Join me in welcoming Drumroll, the man with the golden voice, also known as the Velvet Voice. Today, we will not talk about the radio. Mr. 007, the Bond. How you doing, man? Three happy new year. I hope you had a tremendous holiday season. It was my two and a half year old daughter's first Christmas where she clearly understood the concept of a present because she was ripping everything open all day long. But 
Really glad to be back with you on the podcast platform, and we're kicking it off in style. We got a terrific guest today. Indeed, Peter. Thank you. But before we get to our guest, first of all, a happy new year from the CPG guys, and welcome to everybody to this episode. Let me remind all of you that our content can be found easily by going to a browser, typing cpgguys.com. If you're not already following us on LinkedIn, all you got to do is go to a browser, type linkedin.com in the search box, type CPG guys and hit the blue plus button. That's equal to follow. That way you'll get all of the content we're producing. Plus you can be part of the transformation of this industry and be part of the dialogue, be part of the change. Tell us what you think and just be part of the CPG guys ecosystem. And uh, best part about it, Peter, do we charge for this content? For those watching the video, that would be a net zero. Did you know we are in partnership with the network of executive women? And in the middle of every podcast episode is hidden an Easter egg with a message from the network of executive women. Make sure to download, tune in, and listen to that message. But you can also check out newonline.org slash cpgguys. Peter and I now have our very own page with a key message on joining the network and its mission and purpose. Of course, Peter and I are honored that our podcast attracts so many omni-channel leaders from notable brands and retailers. And today, we're especially pleased to have such a guest. She is on the 2021 40 Under 40 Ad Age Honorary and Award winner. The VP of Digital Commerce for Colgate Palmolive joined Peter and me in welcoming to the podcast on our show, Diana Hosling. Greetings. How are you today? I'm fantastic. Happy New Year. So excited to be here, fresh off of the holidays and ready to talk all things digital commerce. Diana, Shri is going to depart from the script and ask you, how does it feel to be a 40 under 40 ad age honorary? Well, aside from now, everybody having a clear indication of my age range and what box I check, uh, it feels fantastic. I love this industry. I love CPG, but I love being a part of digital commerce. So it's a great honor. And did you see the other folks on the list? It's it's a cool club to be a part of. Absolutely. It's a cool club to be part of. What Peter and I were thinking is how do we get in that under 60 list? We'll take that one. What do you think, Peter? 60 under 60, does that work for you? Well, we could do the, you know, the cool kids over 40. We may have to raise the number even on that one. But Diana, before we get to the questions, would you please tell our audience where they can learn more about Colgate Palmolive and then a brief overview of what your team does? Before I get into what my team does, I'm going to focus on our D2C sites because we lead D2C over in my area. So check out shopcolgate.com, co by Colgate, also Toms of Maine or Hello to buy all things Colgate. It's the new year, so teeth whitening is totally a thing and it's the perfect time to get started on it. Now that I've done, I'm done hawking my wares, I will focus on what me and my team do. I have the honor of leading the digital commerce team for Colgate Palmolive. It's known as the Hive. It's a B reference, but I liken it more to Beyonce and I'm working on that catching on for as a thing. The makeup of the team is our pure play team. We have our digital marketing team. So think of that of like marketing uh, GMs, our D2C team, as I mentioned before, our commerce analytic. And then to close it all off, we have an omni strategy team that's focused on omni strategy, but also the evolution of shopper marketing. Diana, thank you so much for that. For all our listeners, of course, everything Diana said, information about her will be included in the ep- this episode's digital liner notes. I'm going to jump right into the questions, Diana. So let me get into the first one. You went to Rutgers University in New Jersey, you know, formerly my home at some point when I worked for Johnson & Johnson. 
Then you've touched notable brands globally. Campbell's being one of them, Hershey being another one, which just reminded Peter and me about a recent uh, guest we had from Gatsby Chocolates, the founder of Gatsby Chocolates. And eventually you emerged as a e-commerce leader, you know, very much like Peter and me. You've been on the brick and mortar side. You've done a ton of marketing and selling there. And then now you're on the e-commerce side exclusively. So decompose the story and tell us you are now doing one of my most favorite topics. Sri loves two things, retail media and Peter fill in the blanks. What's the other thing? D-T-C. I fell in love with CPG very early. Hershey really grounded my career and really taught me the nuts and bolts. They have a great program for any of any um, young folks out there that are looking at an organization where to start that will really groom them and prepare them for a long career. Hershey is one of those places. But really what I found for me personally is I love a good fixer-upper. I love a good challenge. And I also love uncharted territory. If you look at the list of the CPG bingos where I've been, they're all companies that have been around for 100 years, 150 years, 200 years. And I think my sweet spot within those CPG organizations is understanding what it takes for large major CPGs to run, but also really understanding and staying on the pulse of what's next and new. And that's really what attracted me to the digital commerce space. You know, it really in early stages of my career was like a nuisance for a lot of folks that I was eager and excited to peel apart and understand the novelty of it. The fact that it shifts and changes so frequently is really what attracted me. And then where I was able to leverage part of my superpowers is really being able to translate what it takes to excel, not just in brick and mortar, but what I like to say is commerce in general, and really be able to understand how consumers shift and move between those spaces. So for me, it was really my love of CPG, my love of all things new and different and exciting, coupled with my focus on consumers and insights that really led me into the digital commerce space. Diana, you went and mentioned Beyonce, and I've got Sasha Fierce running through my head. Uh, it's going to take me a. It's going to take me most of the episode to work that out. That's not a bad problem to have. That's a good problem. Oh, I didn't say it was a bad problem. I just said I've got Sasha Fierce running through my head now. But in any event, thank you so much for joining us today. I, like you, spent a number of years in Camden, New Jersey. I was on site at Campbell Soup when I worked at IRI. I still miss those conference rooms with the Warhol art in them. It was a, a phenomenal time and taught me a lot about the industry with working with such a venerable brand. So what I'd like to do is, is start touching on some of the digital commerce work that Colgate Palmolive is doing. I think you kind of alluded to it, but why is it such a huge priority for your organization to be so digitally forward and particularly in a D2C fashion? For Colgate Palmolive, consumers are at the heart of everything that we do. And as you think about the change that all of us has gone through in the last three years and how we've evolved, digitally enabled sales, digital commerce, and then digital in general is just a huge part of consumers' life. You cannot wake up in the morning and get too far from your bed without touching something digital. And that means as an industry, but specifically for Colgate Palmolive, digital commerce is at the heart of a lot of things we do and digital is at the heart of a lot of things we do. And in order to be able to better connect and serve our consumers, digital is a part of not only how we want to engage them, but also how we can provide services to them, but also how we create accessibility. 
When I look at what's happened over the past, you know, couple of years, even most recent months, the digital age has created an, an avenue of accessibility that really democratizes a lot of things that at one point were only there for people of means. And now, as I think about the mission of Colgate Palmolive and what we're trying to accomplish, digital fits at the heart of that and allows us to give wellness and a great consumer experience to all of our shoppers across the globe. I want to get into a little bit of that very digital coolness you spoke about, right? And I'd really like, I'd love for you to take some time and decompose for our audience. How are you working to ensure that the brands you represent and the channels that you represent, which is D2C Pure Play, that you are actually getting the brands ready for e-commerce and omni-channel? What are some initiatives? What really matters in this space? And what are those actions that will make a difference? As I look at most organizations, this isn't just true for Colgate Probolov. Usually when we start to think about digital commerce, e-commerce, D2C is when it comes to marketing and sales. And my push and what I love about how we're thinking about digital transformation at Colgate Palmolive is that's not where it starts. That's where we step it up. It starts for us with supply chain, with commercialization, with R&D, with IT. And we're really creating a digitally sound organization so our brands from our pack types for our formulas are ready for all consumers, whether they want to purchase us in-store or through some digital means. So I think for us, it really starts at understanding that the rubber hits the road in our overall planning, commercialization, and product development. Then when it comes to actually fulfilling that model, we want to, we are really focused on looking at all modes of fulfillment. So whether it's click and collect, D2C, 3P, how do we engage consumers however they want to shop and, and create that surprise and delight experience? When it comes to D2C specifically, I would say it's more my philosophy and one that I, I see us fulfilling within uh, Colgate Promolive. It's really around how do we leverage the data, not in the like kind of creepy stalker way, but more in a elevating the consumer experience and really giving them what they want, creating loyalty, galvanizing our shoppers. So if you want purple toothpaste, hey, maybe we might come up with a purple toothpaste. That's what our consumers really want. So really leveraging that data for good so we can service our consumers. We also are leveraging it to incubate a lot of items that we may bring to market. The key to innovation and what startups have been really been able to do from an incubation period, a CPGs at a larger scale are able to do that by leveraging their D2C channel. And we're doing some of that ourselves. And then the, you know, the third part is really being there for our diehard loyalists from a D2C perspective. So how do we create bundles, offers, savings that really delight them, but enable them to try new products, shop around, and always have a wider smile? Peter, Diana officially becomes one of the first guests to come on the show and actually refer to a favorite word of ours, the 3P platform. Yeah, I have a three-piece soapbox. I'm sure that my, my team at Colgate is tired of me talking about our, our multi-channel strategy. Well, you opened the door to D2C, so let me walk right through that, Diana. It seems that every brand is now focused on delivering some sort of direct partnership. I know you rattled off quite a number of D2C sites within your portfolio. I'll remind our audience, links to all of those sites are available in the digital liner notes of this episode. So don't worry about writing them down. Just open up the episode and scroll through the notes and click on the hyperlink. But things like subscriptions are, are all the rage. 
would really like to know one how you're focused on it and two what you're doing you're you're clearly generating some really powerful first party data what exactly are are you learning from this experience and being able to go direct to consumer what i love about d2c you know as a retail media and a marketing geek at heart is that it does allow us to iterate very quickly play around with creative but really service consumers the way they want to be served. And I think for a lot of folks, when and when we have the conversation about 1P data, privacy comes up. And, you know, at Colbate, Pummel of privacy and our consumers are at the heart of everything that we do. But the way that we're really looking at the data is how do we innovate to make our consumers' lives better? How do we leverage the data and the insights that we're getting to develop creative that better engages shoppers? And then we're also looking at this from a full funnel perspective. So how do we think about now that that traditional, somewhat archaic upper funnel, lower funnel, CPG and marketing vernacular has really been blown up by the way consumers and the next generations like to shop how do we meet consumers what they are and deliver a product offering, education, engagement, and advice in a way that where we become a partner with our shoppers and a consumer as opposed to just somebody selling them something. So I think for us, it's really about being a part of the evolution of what manufacturing, what marketing has become. And at Colgate Palmolive, that's just really critical for us to be a part of. Shri, she had me at full funnel. Would you mind for our audience, Diana, just taking a second and just talking to us about that full funnel that you just referred to? Give us a little bit of like full funnel in the role that you currently have, which is get the, get the omni-channel commerce going. Where do you spend a majority of your time? Upper funnel, lower funnel, up in like what's your advice, the whole spectrum? Yeah, I think for me, you know, because I also manage retail media across the board, you know, that old school mindset of, Commerce is lower funnel. National media TV is upper funnel. Well, consumers have blown that up. So I really do look at the full funnel. But for me, it's really about the job to be done. So once you define the job to be done, it's going to look different depending on that objective that you set. If you're launching a new item, that's going to look very different from a line extension, which also is going to look very different from launching disruptive new items, or if you are really focused on brand equity. But for me, it's important, especially from a retail media perspective, that you do leverage the full funnel. And if you think about how do we not only engage but also how are the flywheel of a lot of the digital commerce sites in which we play. It's important that we're leveraging and driving traffic with natural, national media as well. So it's not an either or, it's an end across the board. And depending on the job to be done is really how we establish our approach to engaging shoppers. Thank you for that, Diana. Just a reminder to our audience, we're speaking to Diana Hosling, VPGM of Digital Commerce at Colgate Palmolive and also winner of the Ad Age 40 Under 40 for 2021 award. So Diana, how are you focused on people building a team and what is your team's, give us the details of what your team is specifically focused on. I divide this into two pieces. Is it a hard charging revenue chase or is it spread knowledge awareness and make everybody digital aura? So again, it's both. I mean, for, an established CPG like Colgate Palmolive, it's important not only that we have a really strong center of excellence and my team, the Hive, really serves at that center of excellence, but 
as I mentioned before, we're not in a, in a point of time anymore where we can separate digital commerce and brick and mortar and really have a separate plan. If we don't integrate across, you know, sales, marketing, but even more importantly, supply chain, IT, R&D, if we're not integrating and have that omni mindset, then there's no way that we can as a, you know, an industry move forward. So there is a huge remit for my organization to upskill entire North America. And it's been a tremendous opportunity for us. And we've been able to partner with a lot of great companies in order to bring that upskilling into the organization and integrate across the organization. There also is a focus on being subject matter experts for my team. So we have to ensure that we understand what's happening. The pulse of change in digital commerce happens so quickly. It's my team's job to ensure that their counterparts, whether it's in supply chain or marketing, understand what's happening in this part of the building so that their strategies are that much stronger for having my team as part of their broader cross-functional team. The other elements of my team uh, are also around really, really getting into the nitty-gritty, tactical, understanding, hands-on keys of search, retail media, and execution within these spaces. Uh, for us, you know, we spend a lot of time geeking out on algorithms, geeking out on platforms, and then really understanding, you know, this market, whether it's Amazon or Gorilla or Instacart, it's important for us to be engaged and connected to our partners, but also understand how their platforms work and the best way to partner with them. Diana, I can tell you that Shri and I are incredibly impressed with the team that has been assembled at Colgate Palmolive. We have quite a number of friends there. Uh, Saravi and now Todd and Lisa and and you and it seems like you've got a great mission and a great group of people there working in this direction. I'd like to now talk a little bit about the digital shelf. So obviously the rules of winning the digital shelf are tremendously different than the physical world. So two things around that. It's clearly about search. And so the two things are, there's the winning organic search and what are the attributes of your products on the digital shelf that are going to help win search. I'd like to kind of get your perspective on user-generated context, ratings and reviews, how they contribute to your ability to win the digital search. And when it's not organic search, it's paid search. Would love to know what the role of retail media means to you in terms of winning the digital shelf. Well, that's, that's, you're, you're getting deep now. So, but you're also talking my love language because these are areas that I am very much so an advocate of because for me, you win and lose in the digital commerce space with content. And so for us, content is critical. I'm avoiding saying the content is king line, even though I just did. But content is so critical to everything we do in driving organic search. And it's not just about content, but understanding how content works on the various platforms. So a lot of the work that I'm doing with my team and a lot of our partners is really understanding the nuances of how each platform works and how we can leverage content in order to engage shoppers, but also to fuel the flywheel. I think for any brand, including ours, is important to understand your product differentiation and also how consumers are in a human way, using human language, looking for your product or looking for solutions that your product can solve. So how do you put, instead of the brand language that has been approved by legal, how do you really think about how people talk? 
I often challenge my team, look at the language and then go ask your spouse, your kid, your parents to read it back to you in their words and then add those words in because it's really important. And that's what I love about digital commerce is it really puts the human back into a lot of the romance language that we leverage from a CPG perspective. I think for content itself, that's what's really critical to me. And that's where the power of leveraging ratings and reviews to help you refine your content and optimize, but also help you really think about, you know, how are you communicating to consumers at that point in time when they're at that point of purchase, the tactical factors that they need to understand if they want to buy this item? Like how actually big is it? You know, when I was at Campbell's, I used to call it the microwave shot, like, I get you want to do these beautiful food shots, but I literally need a shot of the can of soup by the microwave with two minutes on it so people know that they can heat this up in two minutes on their lunch break and that the the can itself with the lid can go in the microwave. You know, it's that functional expertise that's really cr- critical and having the right subject matter expertise on your team is critical in order uh, to deliver um, against that and really fuel the flywheel. Retail media is such a hot topic right now and a buzz. And what I'm really excited about is all of the change that is happening, all of these various retail media partners. While on one hand, they're banging on our door asking for dollars. On the other hand, I feel like all this influx of change is really going to transform and push our industry to be even more creative and clever and really link back to our national media strategies in a more interesting way than we ever thought possible. The way I approach retail media is, again, back to the jobs to be done. I think there's a role for retail media, and there's also a role for national national media, and it shouldn't be a competition. It's really about understanding what objective you're trying to achieve and how you leverage those different levers along the way to achieve that objective. So retail media is a huge part of our focus and our strategy, but I also think is a great way for us to connect, engage, but also drive conversion when it comes to our activation strategies. Wow. That was quite a power-packed punch list there, Peter. What do you think? I'm impressed. One follow-up question I have for you, Diana, around retail media. You know, you have the emergence of all these platforms, but you also have these networks that plug into those platforms. How do you make a decision about when you just use one one network and then distribute out your investment in retail media versus using the actual platform of the retailer to to execute the retail media? Yeah, so I think for us, it's threefold. First, it's basic brand health. So from a search perspective, just like you want to make sure your items are on the shelf, how do you click off or check off the brand health needs that you have for your business that are just basic hygiene? So getting covering off of that basic hygiene. Then after that, it's really about partnering with your brand team and really understanding the brand strategies, uh, because that's where we connect the dots on the right platform to lever and or leverage in order to achieve those brand strategy. And then there also is, and you know, I like to joke about um, making sure we keep the retail and retail media aligning with the sales team and your merch partners. I think, you know, right now the two groups are very siloed and I don't think it has to be that way. You know, I I look at my job in this team is to bring that integration point. So what's our brand team trying to do? How, How sophisticated is the platform and what can it deliver? 
What's the sales team trying to accomplish? And then at the end of the day, what's the merchant trying to accomplish? And how can I come up with strategies, campaigns, execution, and leverage the data to help everybody achieve their goals and objective? So often what that tends to mean is like sometimes you make everybody a little uncomfortable, but at the end of the day, this new way of working is how we're really going to grow brands. And it's really how you're going to reach consumers because, you know, I, I went to the mall the other day and, and quite frankly, there wasn't a lot of product there to, to offer. And, you know, that consumer experience is not just going to be about the physical location anymore. It's really going to be this combination of all of the ways you can engage that. And if you, if brands don't figure out how to master that, you know, there's going to be um, in five to 10 years, a real, a real shift in brands um, leadership positions, because in order to maintain, you know, your leadership, you have to not only be able to win in brick and mortar, but also understand the varying platforms and be able to uh, connect with your shoppers at any point in time. Very well said, you know, but everything you said kind of brings me back to look, if you get D2C right, you get fulfillment right, you get 3P on fire, and then you make sure that retail media is really media at the end of the day, and that's how you think about it. It leaves us with another topic, which is equally important, which is user experience. Would all this even matter if user experience wasn't nailed in the shopper journey? And what's your what's your big aha, or what is, what is your coaching to us on top tier user experience? Again, I would put the human uh, element in the user experience. Oftentimes, what we find is user experience ends up being um, compromised by the structure or the PL. So for old school CPGs, you have various brand teams, you have a brand marketer of X brand, and you know they want to come up with their own site and do their own thing because their brand is their baby. When the reality is, to a consumer, all of oral care is all of oral care. Um, they don't want a different experience for toothbrushes versus uh, toothpaste versus an X. So how do you really think about the way consumers want to shop? How do we really think about the moments? And when people are at the point of purchase, what are they thinking about? So oftentimes, you know, we're human. When, we, when you're shopping, you're not thinking about all the brands that you're going to buy, unless it's probably something that's more luxury. You're really thinking around, okay, my kids are having a sleepover party this weekend. What do I got to get going for them? My daughter actually gets Christmas this year, so how am I going to make that experience even more exciting? What activities can we do, can we can we pull into place? You know, I have a nighttime routine routine with all my potions and lotions for my face. How do I make an oral care routine out of that as well? So really getting into those human moments and then going back and creating the wireframes for that UX experience. I think you know what this is compelling a lot of us to do is to think less about the constructs of CPG and corporate that allow us to manage individual brand PLs, but really put a human element in how we execute and engage. And, and it's going to push us to do that even more. Whether we like it or not, the consumers are going to force us to do that. We see what's happening with uh, TikTok and with Snapchat and the way that consumers are purchasing, you know, what they're expecting from um, various companies when they come on those platforms. We are no longer in the driver's seat and we're go going to have to show up the way consumers and humans are looking for us to show up. Outstanding. This has been a great conversation. Let me close this out with talking about the impact of the pandemic on shopper behavior. It has been transformational. I'm sure you agree with that. 
it's not hard to believe that consumers in terms of their use of digital technology has increased dramatically. The penetration among age groups has coalesced towards the higher end of the spectrum. And if you think about it, everybody's walking into physical stores where still the majority of transactions are occurring. They're walking in with smartphones that they use to help them with their purchase. So in that light, how are you helping your organization prepare for that reality? Sometimes it's delivering content through the retail partnership. And if they don't have that capability, sometimes it's about going it alone. What are you doing to make sure that the consumer is ultimately getting, I think you talked about it earlier, the social proof points, the information, the knowledge that they need to make the purchase decision online, in-store, or frankly, anywhere in between? Yeah, I, I think and it goes back to, and I, I'm a little bit of a broken record when it comes to this, is really understanding that humor and human experience and shopper journey and being for them, being there for them however they want to shop. So whatever mode that is, if it's D2C, if it's click and collect, and really understanding not, not only how to engage them across the various shopping modes, but also what's the right amount of content to serve them up. So when somebody's at the point of purchase, what content uh, is really relevant to them versus when they're um, seeking education? You know, we have a lot of that with our uh, our categories when it comes to whitening or even oral health, really helping consumers depending on, you know, what they're looking for, understanding how much to serve them, what's too much versus what's the right amount. And then how to create pathways back to that user experience conversation so consumers that are ready to purchase uh, can shift to a buy now right away and consumers that are looking for more information and education are getting what they need to help them make smart choices. So a lot of that is just understanding, you know, the dynamics and the insights, whether it's on the Instacart platform, it's on our own platforms, on, on D2C. We're really digging deep into that data. And a lot of that is also coming with partnerships with our retailers. You know, we're getting a lot of this data directly from our retailers, which is helping us be even smarter about how to operate within their walled gardens as well. Um, so that's a critical component uh, to our strategy. I think the other element too is starting off with an omni mindset. And that is a behavior shift. And it's something that has to happen in every function. Legal. Think about all the content we're producing and how your digital shelf is now your new packaging. Legal needs to think differently about how we think about, you know, benefits, claims, and how they show up. Um, supply chain, R&D, I can go on and on, but that digital mindset is very critical in all of those functions. And then when it comes to, you know, how you plan and strategize, really shifting to a commerce strategy. So we're not talking brick and mortar. We're not talking e-com. We're not talking poor play. What is your commerce strategy and how are you winning every sale? Because most consumers that we know, they shop at Amazon, they shop at Walmart, they shop at Target. Like they're really easy and promiscuous when it comes to their shopping habits. And so if we want to win, we have to make sure we're everywhere that they want to purchase. Well said indeed, Peter. And that's the definition of omni-channel, right? Being everywhere and when they want to purchase without which... You can't really close the deal with today's consumer. And I think that's a big deal. You know, Peter, we touched the spectrum of all our favorite words. We said store, we said omni-channel, we said e-commerce, we said retail media. Then we said 3P, we said D2C, we said UGC, we said ratings and reviews, and then we said user experience. Can you think of a word that we didn't cover, Peter? 
No, we also covered promiscuous. I heard that. I'm I that that was right up there too. I'm a promiscuous shopper. I own that. I own that label proudly. And Sasha Fierce was also mentioned not once but twice right up yep. front when we started yep. this episode. So so I gotta say, Peter, this is one of my favorite episodes. What about you? Yeah, this is great. And I know before the episode started, we were talking about the network of executive women. And Diana mentioned that, you know, she's been a member since she was in the 30 under 30 group. So now that uh, it's it's so good, yeah, probably. I was an intern, so even before that, not to date myself. <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. But it's such that just the fact that we've we have such a community of thought leaders and inspirational people like Diana who come to talk to us every week. Shri, we are two of the most blessed people. Uh, that that certainly I know, and we're very grateful for these kinds of conversations. You bet, Peter. Diane, Diane, I want to thank you for joining us on the CPG guys, and also good luck with the journey of what you started this conversation with, which is driving more business for Hello. Thank you so much. Thank you for lending me your platform. This was fun, and thank you for also knowing who Sasha Fierce was. That you know really sealed the deal for me. Are you telling are you telling us people don't know who Sasha Pierce is? No, but you get bonus points if you do. I assume everybody does. <laughs> ah, gotcha. 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 Peter, pleasure doing this week over week with you. We're gonna have to up our woke game, man. So I don't uh, next time Diana's back, she's gonna test us. Very very hot, very high bar for twenty twenty two set with this first episode out the gate three. Wow. Absolutely. Now, what are we going to do the balance of the year? You know, that's what I'm scratching. It's all downhill, Shri. It's all downhill. Well, my good sir, pleasure doing this week over week with you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Uh, As always, Shri, love it. For our audience, thanks for listening in, folks, to this Power Pack episode one of 2022. And uh, a very happy new year. Hope all of you have a healthy and prosperous 2022. We will see you soon on another episode of, in Peter's favorite Yankee announcer words, The CPG Guys. The content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.